right, all right, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Joe Turner, host of City Manager Unfiltered, a podcast by a city manager for city managers and other public sector executives. And I'm coming at you from Wichita, Kansas, where I can drive my ass down to the airport, park across the street from the terminal, go inside, pick my wife up, grab her bags, walk back out, and don't have to pay to park for the first hour. I love it. I love it. I hate getting taxed on parking every time I go someplace in California. Absolutely hate it. And then when you do pay to park, they give you these little sardine can parking stalls where your car's always getting dinged up because there's way too small for all the other vehicles who are there. You know, you drive around, you drive around Wichita, you drive around Kansas, the parking lots actually have parking spaces for real vehicles, not smart cars. Okay. So my car doesn't get dinged up every time I go someplace. I absolutely love it. I don't know if you got to pay to park where you're at, but I love going in, picking up my wife, giving her a kiss, grabbing her bags, walking back out to the car and not having to pay for it. Love it. Man, I'm jacked up. I'm fired up about this episode. I'm pretty pissed off about some stuff I'm reading in Canfield, Ohio, regarding their city manager recruitment. I want to get into this and, and explore it in more detail. We have a situation where Baker Tilly is supposedly doing the recruitment, but then you have this clown of a police chief named Chuck Colucci who is giving candidates voice stress analyzer tests which is like this, you know, pseudoscientific quackery. And I don't know why so many police departments and police officers buy into this pseudoscientific quackery like polygraphs and, uh, and voice stress analyzer tests. It's such hocus pocus. The only thing you're really relying on is like intimidating people into thinking that it actually can tell you, it can actually tell whether or not you're lying. And so you're basically using it as an interrogation tactic to hopefully get people to tell you the truth from the outset because they don't want to get busted lying. But the results are ridiculous. No, they're not even admissible in court. No one buys it. And yet you've got a city manager who, or city manager candidate, who was giving a voice stress test by this police chief who's not even running the recruitment. So I'm confused by that. And I'm wondering, when did this start? I've never seen a city manager candidate be given a voice stress analyzer test or even a polygraph to my knowledge. And so I really want to explore what's going on there and unpack that a little bit because I'm not really happy about what I'm reading over there. And someone needs to stand up for the city manager as a professional, right? We know the ICMA is not standing up for the city manager as a professional. So if they're not going to do it, I and other people need to do it, and we need to talk about what's going on in Canfield. But, but before we get into Canfield, I want to take care of some housekeeping items, all right? So this podcast episode marks my first month of podcasting, and what a blast. This has been an incredible experience. I'm extremely proud of what we are building here. We're blowing up the charts. We are the most talked about local government podcast in the nation, I, I, bar none. I, I tr- trust me when I tell you this. This podcast is the most talked about local government podcast. We're blowing the doors off of the competition. All right. And I'm a competitive person. Some of you might not like that. That's fine. Maybe I'm not for you. Okay. Go hit the one star review like the other people. So anyway, I've received some amazing feedback from so many people constantly getting feedback of of compliments and praise. And people are telling me that they're deriving so much value from the podcast. In fact, several told me that they picked up and started uh, messing around with ChatGPT for the very first time because of my episode with Micah Gaudet. You might recall a couple episodes ago, uh, we discussed uh, ChatGPT and how it's impacting the public sector. Well, John Wydell, uh, the city manager for Whitewater, Wisconsin, he messaged me and says, hey, I literally started using ChatGPT while the podcast was on. I logged in for the very first time. He's blown away by it. 
we're going to have him on the podcast and I'm going to talk to him with Micah. We're going to go over his experience and what he's doing with it and uh, just sort of get his feedback. I'm really excited about that. We're going to try to push that episode out next week. And speaking of Micah, he's been invited by Strategic Government Resources or SGR to be the instructor for our free webinar they're holding on July 25th, I believe. The information will be in the show notes, so feel free to check that out. Micah is the instructor for a free webinar on ChatGPT hosted by SGR. You're going to want to check that out. And this may sound weird or a little bit awkward for me to say and for you to hear, uh, but I'm just so proud of Micah and the work that he's doing. I mean, he's my buddy. Our paths have, have crossed on LinkedIn through this whole journey that we're having, and I'm just so amazed by what he's doing. I'm really excited to see where this is all going for him and what becomes of it. He makes me want to be a better, uh, makes me want to be better. He motivates me to be, you know, um, step my game up. And I'm just really excited about what's going on with him and, and where that's all going. So uh, don't forget to check out the free webinar. There'll be more information in the show notes, okay? I want to apologize for being uh, not as responsive as I usually am uh, over the last week or so, but I do have a great excuse. Uh, first of all, we had the uh, 4th, of July, uh, 4th of July holiday weekend. And then I was in South Carolina attending my son's Naval Nuclear Propulsion School graduation. Okay, he's in Charleston, and um, he's in the Naval Nuclear Program, which is one of the most rigorous, intense uh, course or paths you can go down if you're in the enlist, if you're enlisted in the military. And he's just been crushing it. I'm so proud of my son. He's an absolute savage. There's an amazing story behind his journey. Uh, that I won't get into now. Maybe I'll talk to you all about later on a future podcast. Um, but my son, he uh, was the class leader in A school. He had the highest GPA and led his class, not only in GPA, but was the class leader. Uh, so demonstrating his leadership skills. And then he went on to the nuclear, propul- nuclear power school, which is what he graduated from this week. And I was out there visiting with him. He was the section leader for in, uh, one of the 11 sections. He was a section leader he graduated with honors. He was in the top 10% of roughly 330 students that graduated. Next up for my son is NAPS, the Naval Academy Preparatory School. Assuming he does what he, we expect him to do there for the school year, he will then go off to the Naval Academy for four years and graduate from there. And uh, then he'll move back down to Charleston and uh, complete his studies so he can be a submarine commander. Um, he's just, man, kicking ass and taking names. My son is just amazing. I'm so proud of him. You know, it's not easy being my son. It's not easy being my my wife. It's not really easy being <laughs> anything with me. I, I'm a pretty intense person, as some of you probably are picking up or, or know. Um, but he's just been absolutely crushing it. I'm so proud of him. And, you know, <laughs> I was <laughs> I got back and I was finishing up this uh, Netflix special on American Gladiators. I don't know if you guys were into American Gladiators like I was. I loved American Gladiators when I was a kid. I absolutely loved that show. And um, there was this really poignant moment on the documentary where this one of the gladiators was talking about how he was always seeking approval from his father and that um, he never got it. His father never told him he was proud of him. And so he's always chasing this and, 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 and he's always just chasing it through his professional pursuits to try to get his father's love, attention, affection and praise and could never get it. And so... When I got back, and I mean, I told my son before I left how proud I was of him because I'm very verbally effusive with my praise when it comes to my son. But I wanted to take a moment to share with you all that, you know, if you, especially those who have maybe uh, adult children, man, call them up or talk to them. Or the next time you see them, tell them how proud you are of them. Because I don't know 
what it's like to be in a situation where you're never told you're loved or you're never told how proud you are. But man, if you, if you are one of those type that maybe find it difficult to communicate with words, take a time and, and talk to your kid and tell them how proud you are. I think you, it would, it would make them really happy to hear that. But anyway, the, 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 uh, the Netflix special is pretty crazy. Just so you know, on the American gladiators, y'all should check it out. If you were, uh, born and around during that time, I know we got some youngsters listening on the podcast. You probably don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, so anyway, the other thing is, is that LinkedIn messaging platform is very difficult to communicate on. It's very clunky. So everything gets kind of jumbled in there and it's easy for stuff to get buried because I, I get so many messages. I do not want to be a big timer. I don't want to big time anybody. I don't want to come off that way. If you've sent me messages over the last couple of weeks and I have not been as responsive or have not replied to something that you felt deserved a response, um, please hit me up and, and either re-message me. I would prefer if you actually reached out to me on email at citymanagerunfiltered at gmail.com. That's citymanagerunfiltered at gmail.com. It'd be easier for me to track those communications that way. So if you're really trying to get a hold of me, uh, hit me up on my my Gmail account there. But I, I don't want to I don't really want to feel like they're getting shafted or, or ignored. Um, that's not what I'm about. And so please resend anything if you feel like I've I've neglected to respond. Um, I want to hold myself accountable. In a previous episode, I talked about the importance of proactively reaching out to our peers, our colleagues, and attempting to build stronger relationships to build deeper connections. You know, I was heading out to Charleston, and I hit up a couple people in my my connection list that were close by. Uh, Natalie Ziegler, I hope I'm pronouncing her last name, the city manager for Goose Creek, as well as Daniel Prentice, the deputy county administrator for Dorchester County. Unfortunately, we couldn't meet up. Uh, Natalie had a, a family reunion or event that she was out of town on, so that didn't work out. And then uh, Daniel and my schedule just couldn't couldn't match up. It didn't help that flying nowadays in the United States is an absolute chore. I mean, it's just a nightmare. I can't get on a flight nowadays without there being some sort of delay or missed connection or missed flight. I've been sleeping in airports. I've been waiting in airports. I hate it. But anyway, I couldn't meet up with Daniel. I tried, but shout out to Daniel and Natalie. Thank you for trying to work with me and connect. Uh, I did my best. Um, but if you if you are listening to this podcast and you're going someplace and you can plan ahead, try to reach out to a local manager and make that connection. Or your local you know peer department head, if you're a public works director, try to hook up with another public works director someplace and you know uh, reach out. So uh, earlier I said I've been getting uh, great feedback on the podcast. Uh, Well, I've received my first one-star reviews. I went about 50 reviews uh, without getting a one-star, but now we got one-stars flooding in. Apparently, the haters have found me. It's pretty funny. My podcast, I used to be the host. I'm formerly the host of a five-star rated podcast. It's now down to 4.5 as of this recording, uh, which is on Tuesday, the day before it's going to go out. Um, And the reason why I'm recording on a Tuesday is because I wanted to pivot and talk about Canfield because I'm pretty annoyed about that situation. But anyway, um, so I'm getting flooded with one-star ratings. And uh, are you guys just going to let that aggression stand? I mean, you can't let that aggression stand. All my all my supporters out there, you got to come to my defense. You can't just send me emails and say how much you love the podcast. You got to get you gotta get out in the front lines and do battle for me, right? So you need to get in those Apple reviews. Give me some good comments, some good reviews, some five-star ratings. And let's show these turkeys what's up, right? These haters. I do not care about haters, by the way. Haters make me, uh, haters propel me to want to do more. They motivate me. They make me giggle with these one-star reviews. Uh, None of them have any comments, by the way. Uh, They're just one-star anonymous drive-by shootings. 
Um, but anyway, I will tell you this. I see my download stats. I see my charitable rankings. I see all the positive messages I've been getting via email. So I know what's up. Uh, but this reminds me of how elected officials often get all spun up and put on tilt by a few disgruntled malcontents on social media. I'm sure, I'm sure every city manager can, uh, point to a specific incident where they're working on a project and a couple of loud mouse keyboard warriors on Facebook decide to go spouting out, spouting off. And then all of a sudden, you know, elected officials are worried that they should do a project or what if they should vote on something or whatnot. Um, I've told you guys before in my former life, I was a, I was a political operative and frankly, <laughs> and frankly, I was a social media terrorist. Uh, I was able to uh, create havoc and uh, be a terrorist on social media. And it was very effective because so many elected officials uh, get all spun up and on tilt on social media comments. I'm not sure why that is, but I will tell you this. Social media is not real life. Facebook's not real life. Twitter's not real life. Apple comments, uh, podcast reviews. It's not real life. I don't get all uh, spun up on that stuff. And I probably should actually do a special podcast episode on this subject alone and talk about how elected officials should um, really interpret and respond to Facebook comments because some drive-bys on a social media platform is not real life and it does not represent what the rest of the public thinks necessarily. Most often it does not. Okay. Uh, I will just say to the haters, whatever, come at me, bro. I ain't scared. <laughs> okay. Finally, I want you all to um, know that this platform is is growing and I'm very proud of it, but I want to share it with you. This is not just about me. It's not just about promoting Joe Turner, okay? In fact, I want to promote you all. I want to help you and what you're doing as professionals. And so if you're working on a project, if you're going to be doing something, a, a, a keynote speaker somewhere or a featured speaker, let me know. I want to give you some shine. I want to plug you what you're doing. Uh, in fact, I was looking in my uh, feed this week on LinkedIn and I saw that Marakeisha Smith, the city manager for the city of Santa Rosa, is going to be a featured speaker uh, in this event being put on by women leading government. And I'm like, well, I, I, let's 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 advertise this to the public. Right. So Marakeisha, she's a heavy hitter. Like I said, she's with the city of Santa Rosa, about one hundred and seventy five thousand people. I mean, she's in the big leagues. Right. And women leading government is an organization that primarily caters to women. Well, it, it does cater to women and it caters to California public sector um, servants, public servants. So it's primarily geared towards that audience, but it's not just open to women and it's not just open to people who live in California. If you're interested in getting involved and listening to these speakers on the speaker series that's being put forth by women leading government, you can go sign up. The information will be in the show notes. Uh, one other heavy hitter is going to be on there for sure. Her name's Cheryl Scully. You might have heard of her. She wrote the book Greedy Bastard. She's the former city manager for the city of San Antonio. And she pissed off the firefighter union so bad that they went out and put in a measure on the ballot that would cap the salary for city managers and also limit them to an eight-year term of service. And that was passed by the voters, uh, amazingly. So um, she was involved in that whole deal. I'm sure she'll be talking about that on the speaker series. So check it out. It'll be in the show notes. And one other, one other note on this, you know, I read an article about, I don't know, six months, a year ago, talked about these women only, these women centric events, not women only per se, but women centric events. And it talked about how there's hardly ever any men attending these events. And that kind of defeats the whole purpose, right? The whole purpose of these women-centric organizations and so forth not, is to help shine a light on the challenges and issues facing women in the public sector or whatever industry that they're in. So if you're a male listening to this podcast, feel free to check it out. Sign up. 
you know, check out and hear what these women have to say so you can get a better understanding of their perspective on these things. And you can maybe help facilitate making a difference on the areas that are impacting these ladies when it comes to their professional development and career pursuits. So anyway, Markeisha Smith, she's a connection. We're getting to know each other a little bit well. I wanted to give her a shout out and I wanted to plug the women leading government. And if you have an event or you have something that you're doing, let me know. And I want to give you a shout out. Okay. One more final thing before we get into the podcast episode on Canfield is I've set up a, a little platform where you can record messages and send them to me. If you want to provide me with feedback, if you want to provide me with constructive criticism, positive praise, if you just have questions, if you uh, have show ideas or topics, let me know. You can go to this, uh, go to citymanagerunfiltered.com and hit the contact page and you can record a message. I'll even play it in a podcast if it's uh, something that merits being put in the podcast and uh, feel free to shoot me out a message. So without further ado, let's talk about Canfield, Ohio and what's going on there with this recruitment for their city manager. So the reason why Canfield popped up on my radar is that I was thinking about applying for this vacant city manager position. As I've said before, I gave my resignation to the city of South Hutchinson back in March. I'm literally in the final week of my obligation, my commitment to that city, and I'm a free agent. I'm looking for what my next chapter is going to be, my next challenge. I don't know what my path, which direction my path is going. But Ohio has kind of been jumping up on my board lately, and I've been exploring opportunities out there. So Canfield has this vacancy, and I decided to do some preliminary research. And when I started doing some preliminary research, I noticed an article from back in June where the police chief said that a finalist was given a computerized voice stress analyzer test, CVSA, and my jaw hit the ground. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? First of all, why is a city manager candidate finalist being given a stress voice stress analyzer test? And is this being done by the police chief or is this being done by Baker Tilly? Because the article states that Baker Tilly is running the recruitment and I've never heard of Baker Tilly uh, ever doing any sort of voice stress analyzer test or polygraphs or anything like that. And so I'm super confused. So I posted about it on LinkedIn on Monday and, you know, I tagged Baker Tilly in it. I tagged, the re- I tagged the recruitment manager who's handling the recruitment, did not get a response from anybody. And I was just going to let it marinate for a while, maybe do an episode on it uh, next week. But then I did some more research and I came across an article from May where the police chief plainly stated that a finalist or finalists were going to be given this voice stress analyzer test. And I'm like, wait a minute, this was communicated you know, two months ago in May in an article that a candidate would be given or candidates would be given voice stress analyzer tests. And I'm like, this needs to be discussed. This is, we need to have a conversation about this right now. And I'm not sure what the situation is. So I want to break down this podcast into sort of three different sort of components, right? I want to talk about this police chief, Chuck Colucci. He's an interesting character. I'm not a big fan of him. And I want to talk about Baker Tilly a little bit. I I don't want to make any accusations. I don't want to make, you know, any statements that I don't know to be true. Uh, I just want to, I more want to ask, you know, you know, inquiries or, you know, what is going on? I'm trying to get some fact finding here. And then three, I want to talk about recruiters in general and some of my concerns and some of my feelings about public sector recruitment as it relates to this story and the entire um, universe of public sector recruitment. Let me give you some context and a timeline to what's going on in Canfield. 
All right. So back in August of 2022, the city manager and the city separated. They went their uh, own separate ways. And police chief Chuck Colucci became the interim acting city manager. Now, Colucci is then tasked with the city manager recruitment, which is an interesting decision. Why is that an interesting decision, you might ask? Well, back in 2018, Chief Colucci was given additional duties and began serving as the human resources director in addition to being a police chief. But in 2020, he was stripped of those duties because he had a quote-unquote inappropriate relationship with a subordinate. Now, what happened was him and a subordinate were having conversations about their marital troubles on each respective side, and the woman he was having these conversations with, her husband found the text messages, complained, to uh, confronted his wife about it, and then uh, the, the police chief decided to self-report it to the city, which led to this investigation, okay? Now, he was stripped of those duties, as I said, and I want to take a moment to do a quick aside on this because uh, something that really annoys me about local government is that it's a pet peeve of mine, is that employees will often get a raise when they take on additional responsibilities or get promoted to a higher position or a new title, right? But from my experience, more often than not, when that employee is demoted or they're stripped of those additional responsibilities, their compensation will often remain unchanged. I don't understand that. So so back in 2018, Colucci was earning $79,000 as the police chief, and then he was given a $26,000 raise that according to Mahoning Matters, a local uh, paper out there, uh, they reported that the $26,000 increase was mainly due to him taking on additional HR duties. So he gets bumped up to $105,000 in 2018, all right? Now, fast forward two years, and when Colucci was stripped of his HR director duties, he was earning $109,000 at that point. So his compensation only went up $4,000 over those two years, yet when he was stripped of the HR director duties, his compensation was only reduced to $8,000. So he got a $26,000 raise uh, two years prior for taking on the HR duties, uh, presumably the significant majority of that $26,000 for the HR duties. And then when he loses it, he only gets reduced by $8,000. So he definitely came out ahead on that. And I, I, that just annoys me in, in the public sector. It really, it really bothers me. Okay, so anyway, Colucci is handling the city manager recruitment in-house, right? The vacancies posted in September of 2022. And then I told you that on Monday, I posted about the story on my LinkedIn page. Well, someone I know very well and who I trust informed me that they had applied for this position back in September. They described experience as being odd. For example, the chief apparently um, was a little bit surprised to get an out-of-state applicant because he asked this, this acquaintance of mine, he said, do you know that this is an out-of-state job and are you okay with moving? This is not a remote position, okay? So clearly this guy is out of his element. He doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to recruiting for city manager for a city manager position. And he shouldn't necessarily be expected to understand it. I'm not knocking him for that. Uh, but we'll come back to that dynamic in a, in a little bit, right? So this acquaintance of mine goes on to say that when he pressed for status updates on the recruitment, that Colucci was vague on everything and would never give any real detail. And then he just said that the chief was horrible at communicating and it ultimately just ghosted uh, this acquaintance and never got any follow-up responses. So this in-house recruitment goes on, that's shepherded by Colucci, goes on from September to January-ish. And then in February, the city council cries uncle and decides to hire Baker Tilly at a cost of $26,000 to run the recruitment. 
Now, in this article published in a local paper called The Vindicator, Colucci states that Baker Tilly is in charge of the recruitment. And get this. He said that that includes, quote, researching the resumes and doing the background checks, end quote. Well, if Baker Tilly is in charge of the background checks, why do we have Colucci talking about background checks and putting candidates through a computerized voice stress analyzer test in a May 5th article and in a June 12th article written by J.T. Whitehouse for The Vindicator? In the May 5th article titled Search for Canfield City Manager Nears End, it reads as follows. Acting City Manager Chuck Colucci, the police chief, said the selected candidate will be checked thoroughly. The city manager selection process has been thorough and like none I've been a part of or have known to have taken place, he said. The selected individual will have participated in multiple interviews, a background investigation, a computerized voice stress analysis, a psychological assessment, a leadership assessment, a drug screen, and other evaluations, end quote. Now, let me repeat this. Colucci said that the city manager selection process has been thorough and like none he has ever been a part of or have known to take place. No shit, Sherlock. You are a career police officer who, as far as I can tell, have only been involved in one city manager recruitment, and it doesn't seem like you knew what you were doing based on the account of my contact. Okay? Can you imagine a public sector recruiter informing a candidate that the job is not remote and that it would require moving? Clearly, the guy was out of his depth. It has been said that dumb people don't know when they don't know something. This police chief has no clue how city manager recruitments work and has never been involved in any. But somehow he's an expert and can speak authoritatively that this is the most thorough recruitment he has ever known to have existed. When dumb people don't know they don't know something, it can be irritating, but it can be dismissed. But it's downright dangerous when a person in power, like a police chief, is clueless but thinks they know and then speaks as if they are an expert on the matter. You may think I'm being unfairly harsh on Clown Colucci, but let's move on to the June 12th article titled Search for Canfield City Manager Goes On. It reads, We gave him a CVSA and did a background check, Colucci said. These tests determined that he was not the best match for the city at this time. He said no one is considering the results a negative in the search. In fact, he considers it a positive. Quote, We view this as a positive because our process works, Colucci said. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. First, he states the test determined that the candidate was not the best match for the city at this time. This is absurd. The test does not determine that. It is your interpretation of the candidate's answers and ultimately your determination as to whether the candidate is a good match. Colucci is trying to give readers the impression that the test is infallible or 100% accurate, which it is not. I'm not going to break down all the arguments against CVSAs or polygraphs. They are known to give a high number of false positives and false negatives. They are not trusted, nor are they admissible in a court of law. But we're not done highlighting the brilliance of Canfield's clown Colucci. No, let's go on. He stated that nobody views this as a negative because the process works. On what basis can he state that the process worked? How can he measure the process in this one instance? All he did was eliminate a candidate based on answers that were subjectively interpreted from an exam that is not reliably accurate. This guy is an actual police chief. Let me repeat this. He is an actual police chief who can speak authoritatively on a subject that he has no experience with, like city manager recruitments, and then pats himself on the back and takes a victory lap while authoritatively reassuring the public that a process worked when he has no proof to support the claim. What in the hell is going on in Canfield, Ohio? And finally, before we move on to Baker Tilly, are we just going to gloss over the fact that this police chief, 
who spent two years working as an HR director is going to smear and tarnish an individual by calling into question their honesty and integrity? Make, make no mistake here. The implication was clear. He failed our lie detector test. The candidate should sue the city for damages, in my opinion. Now, where does Baker Tilly fit into all of this? They are a major player in the public sector recruitment space. And part of me feels like I should keep my mouth shut and not ask any pointed questions because you never know if it's going to hurt you in a future recruitment. I've had many city managers vent to me about how public sector recruiters, not just Baker Tilly, but many others, have treated them poorly, but they never say anything because they don't want to hurt future employment chances. They don't want to be the complainer who gets blackballed or blacklisted or anything like that. So I want to be clear. I don't want to have an adversarial relationship with Baker Tilly. That's not my desire. But there needs to be a discussion on this topic, and public sector executives deserve to get some answers. There is absolutely nothing in the recruitment brochure that suggests any candidate will be subjected to a lie detector test like a CVSA. Nothing. And the February article clearly stated that Baker Tilly was responsible for background checks. So what is going on here? Is Baker Tilly facilitating a lie detector test at the behest of their, of their client? Or is this something that was done outside the scope of the agreement? Either way, I'm concerned and we need to talk about this. If Baker Tilly is doing this at the behest of the client, this needs to be condemned by all city managers. I don't give a damn if Baker Tilly or any other public sector recruiter is paid by the city and the city is their quote unquote client. The public sector recruiters have an immediate responsibility and loyalty to their government agency paying them. I understand that. We're all big boys and girls. We get it. We understand that. But make no mistake, recruiters need to respect city managers and realize that we are actually a valued partner in this process. You don't get to sell us out to the high bidder and we're not just expected to take, you know, we're not just going to be expected to go along with it without complaining. So if Baker Tilly facilitated this test, it needs to be condemned and condemned hard. And Baker Tilly must apologize and promise it will never go down this road again. Now, if Baker Tilly was not involved in the CVSA examination, they need to explain how this happened, why it was allowed to happen, and they should immediately terminate the contract and part ways with the city of Canfield. I don't care if they have to give up the $26,000 if they don't have an out clause in the contract, but there should be some sort of provision that prohibits the city from circumventing the background check process that's going to be done by the recruiter, in this case, Baker Tilly. Also, I'd like to know when the candidates were informed they were going to be subjected to a lie detector test. Let me reiterate. It seems to me that there are two possible scenarios. Baker Tilly knew a lie detector test would be administered and either facilitated it or allowed it to happen, or they had no idea it was going to happen and it was administered by the police chief without their knowledge. Either way, this is unacceptable and will not be tolerated. I'm calling on Baker Tilly to publicly explain the situation and clear the air. Now, I want to be clear. I don't know exactly what's going on, and I don't want to have an adversarial relationship with Baker Tilly. I'm not trying to hang them out to dry. I'm not trying to embarrass them publicly, but this is a serious issue, and no one's speaking up on it. I want to move on to the third issue of public sector recruitments in general. I touched on it earlier, but I want to make sure I'm very clear. This applies to all recruiters. This is not a Baker Tilly-specific rant, okay? We are public sector executives, and we deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. We deserve prompt clear communication, and relevant status updates in a timely manner, okay? We understand you have paying clients and that your allegiance is going to be to them. We understand that the government pays you. That's where you, you, know, you, you pay your bills. That's where your bread and butter comes from. We get all that. But make no mistake, we are not pawns or chattel. 
We're not basically just going to be subjected to whatever you throw at us and we just have to accept it and like it. We are not without the means of securing recourse to mitigate mistreatment. Make no mistake. So even though your allegiance is to your paying customer, you do have a professional obligation to consider our needs, our desires, and our concerns as professionals. And if those needs, desires, and concerns are dismissed, then we will need to take steps to ensure that our interests are fairly represented in this process. This gets back to my gripe about the ICMA. I know a lot of people are not a fan of me criticizing the ICMA, but tough. You're going to hear it again. All right. The ICMA does not care about city managers as people, as professionals. Okay. You are merely a conduit for cash. That's all you are. You're an interchangeable cog in the machine. They do not want to rock the boat with any government agencies because you are the conduit of cash to the organization. Name me one time the ICMA has stood up for any city manager that has been through some sort of humiliating process, been mistreated, the laws have been broken, whatever the case is. Name me one time. One time they've gone to bat for you as a professional, okay? I don't give a damn about the latest DEI initiative or the latest homelessness initiative or mental health initiative or some other project that they're working on that applies to city management in general. What are they doing for you and me as professionals? That's where I get really annoyed and irritated about this whole thing. City managers need professional representation and advocacy because outside of me and my platform, who is speaking up for our concerns and putting our interests first? Who? Tell me. All right, it's time to wrap this episode up. I want to summarize some points about the following three topics. That is Canfield's Clown Colucci, Baker Tilly, and City Manager Advocacy. If you're listening to this podcast and thinking about applying for the Canfield job, you are fooling yourself. This guy, Colucci, professes in one of the articles that he has no interest in being the city manager. However, the finalist that was selected was an individual who had a law enforcement public safety background, and Colucci stated that the candidate was the candidate that the council felt most closely matched what they were looking for. Who would have thunk it? All right. Now, in the same article, it states that Colucci is now getting a stipend in recognition for his additional responsibilities as the acting city manager. I will be curious to find out if Colucci's stipend is truly rescinded once a new manager is hired, if in fact Colucci is not hired, okay? Be that as it may, if the Canfield City Council is serious about recruiting a city manager, they need to publicly state that Colucci will not be considered for the permanent position. Now, I'm going to assume that whoever the future city manager is, assuming it's not Colucci, will eventually listen to this podcast. Here is my professional advice. You need to cut Colucci's balls off immediately and neuter him. Trust me, he thinks he's the BSD. In his mind, he was the HR director for two years, and now he's been the acting city manager for what will end up being more than a year. You better show him you are the alpha. Personally, I would fire his ass at 8.01 a.m. on my first day. I've illustrated this dumb comments about city management recruitments and the victory lap he took about the how the process works and so forth and so on. Can you imagine the stupidity in his agenda item reports whenever he's asking for funding for this project or that purpose? In a city manager form of government, there can only be one alpha in the organization, at least in any organization I'm leading, okay? So take my advice, neuter them. Now let's talk about Baker Tilly. I'm going to reiterate what I said and make it clear here once again, all right? Baker Tilly needs to publicly explain what happened with this recruitment. If they knew about the computerized voice stress analysis test and facilitated it, they need to publicly apologize and terminate the contract. If they knew about it and didn't say anything, they need to publicly apologize and terminate the contract. If they didn't know about the test and Canfield's clown Colucci, you know, went rogue, then they need to announce that to the public and then terminate the contract. 
I don't see a scenario whereby Baker Tilly should continue with this recruitment whatsoever. In my first episode titled You Are Not Alone, I made it very clear that one of my three major goals was that city managers as professionals need an advocate and someone to fight on their behalf. I meant it, and I'm serious. City managers take it from every corner and have been expected to just shut up and not complain. Residents will bitterly light us up without knowing all the facts. Governing bodies will light us up to score political points. The ICMA will put together a code of ethics that literally gives everyone else the benefit of the doubt except the city managers. The code of ethics is not applied fairly. The ICMA will not advocate for you, the professional. Homeless drug addicts get more personalized attention than the city managers who actually fund the organization that keeps the lights on in D.C. You have recruiters who work for local governments. Nobody can or will hold them accountable when they treat city managers poorly or engage in behavior that is detrimental to us. Have you ever heard ICMA or anybody else call out any of the recruiters for when they treat uh, city managers unfairly or do not treat us appropriately, when they leave us in the dark, when they ghost us, so forth and so on? I do not agree with this. I will not accept this. I believe that over the next 24 months, you're going to see a paradigm shift with respect to the city management profession. There is an awakening happening right now. Are you awake? I am. I know that for damn sure that I'm awake. Are you awake? And if you agree with what I'm saying, then please tell others about it, okay? Don't just email me and tell me you agree with me. I appreciate it, but tell others, okay? You're gonna help me far more by telling your peers and your colleagues, check out Joe Turner's podcast, check out City Manager Unfiltered. He's saying the things that nobody else will say out loud. He's saying the things that I agree with, but I don't want to say out loud. You need to talk to your friends, talk to your colleagues, let them know what's going on. How about sending out an email on your state's listserv? How about you share this podcast with the managers in your state? I would appreciate that. That would go a long way. So it's up to you if you want to support what we're doing here. I'm trying. I'm one person. Right now, I'm a one-man army, so I need all the help I can get. If you agree with me, please help. Please spread the word. Thank you for your support. Catch you next time.